Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bikes or Death podcast. My name is Patrick, and I am your host. And I'd like to start today's episode by thanking and welcoming our newest patrons. These are the uh, latest listeners to step up and become sustaining members of the show since last week's episode. So we'd like to give a warm welcome to Courtney Nequin, Travis Fleam, Scott McDonald, and Brian Benevente. Thank you all so much for stepping up to be sustaining members of the podcast. It means a lot. I appreciate everybody's support. If you are enjoying this show, if you like this kind of content and you want to help contribute to its ongoing success, please consider signing up as a patron. You can find information at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. And as always, if you want to find out more about Bikes or Death, you can find everything you need at bikesordeath.com. All right, well, I'm excited about today's episode. It is 100% brought to us by Ride With GPS. Uh, literally, it wouldn't be possible without them. When we did the Bikepacking Basics episode a few months ago, the number one question we got was on route building. So I reached out to Kevin Prentice over at Ride With GPS and asked him if he'd be interested in doing a show dedicated solely to route building. They loved the idea immediately and agreed to come on. And so over the last couple of months, Kevin and I have been working on putting on this show and hopefully making it good and informative. Since today's episode is a little bit different, I'm going to just go over a little bit of housekeeping before we hit play. About halfway through the episode, we're going to turn on screen share and actually be working through how to build maps, just some route building basics, and we go kind of deep on other things. But we've recorded it in a way that you can listen to the podcast. Um, I will say that the podcast is about eight to 10 minutes shorter because I've removed some things that just didn't work in an audio-only format. But I've listened to it all the way through, audio-only, and I think it's definitely worth a listen. But Ride With GPS is also creating a full-length video of the podcast that'll be available to watch today. So be on the lookout for that. They're going to be blasting it on their social media and their newsletter. Um, and of course, we're going to be blasting it as well. So after you listen to the episode, I would invite you to go and look for the video because with the video, we've gone in and created segments, highlighted chapters, and made it easy for you to find. So just to give you an example of what some of those chapters are going to look like, um, we're going to do surface types, uh, which is a sneak peek at a new feature that's coming down very soon. So that was really exciting to get to talk about that. Uh, we learn how to use the heat maps and the data behind it. We use the mobile route planner to make changes from the road. Uh, we go over the 11 different map types, two routing services, Google Street View and Google Photos. And then we talk about turn an existing route into your own custom route. So like I said, Ride GPS is putting that all together right now so that you can have this as a reference to go and watch and rewatch. And, you know, if you just need to find a certain topic, you'll be able to find it easily. 
So to be able to find that, again, you can just follow Ride With GPS on Instagram or Bikes for Death on Instagram and uh, get a notification there. But also check out ridewithgps.com forward slash journal. There you'll be able to find the full write-up with a link to the podcast, a link to the video, and all the different chapters segmented there. So it's easy to find exactly what you're looking for. So yeah, there's a lot of information on this episode. I really appreciate Ride With GPS helping me out with this and agreeing to come on and put together a great resource. Hopefully this will get people building routes and outdoors exploring on their bikes. What could be more important than that? Honestly, for me, route building is one of the funnest parts about bikepacking. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I definitely enjoy the planning process of route building. I enjoy creating a route, going and riding it, finding out what I did wrong, and then the adventure starts, and then you got to figure it out from there. And we talk through scenarios like this on today's episode, you know, how to prepare from home, but also you get out on the route and things don't go right and you need to switch it up. What do you do? Well, we're going to tell you on today's episode. So without further ado, let's let Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes for Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your boss, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. All right, well, let's make this happen. Everybody today on this show, we have a special guest. Kevin with Ride with GPS is here today to teach us everything we need to know about route building. So uh, thanks, Kevin, for coming on the show today. Hello, hello. Uh, it's good. Uh, it's great to be here. Man, listen, we did a show earlier this year called Bikepacking Basics, where we essentially just asked the audience what do you want to know about when it comes to bikepacking? And the number one question that we got was about route building. So I'm really excited that you could be here and we can help to educate people on how to build routes, how to get outside using Ride, Ride with GPS. And I specifically wanted to reach out to y'all because in my opinion, um, y'all have really positioned yourselves as like the route building application. It's the one that I use personally, exclusively for building routes. Um, so yeah, man, thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise with us today. I hope I can share a little of that expertise. You know, we have a, a, a wide, diverse, awesome community uh, that we that we serve. And, uh, you know, I, we aim for uh, the tools that we make to reflect that community. Um, so whether you're you know, a road cyclist or a gravel rider or a commuter or a hardcore bike packer, someone like me who can, you know, maybe is just into getting out on an S24 or, or weekender, uh, you know, we aim to make tools to enable you to go on better rides more often, regardless of your, you know, flavor or style of riding. 
Yeah, for sure, dude. Well, I mean, I really want this to be like a really great resource for anyone that's looking to build a route and get outside. Really looking forward to kind of getting nerdy on some maps with you here in a little bit. Uh, But before we get into the meat and potatoes, uh, I want to learn a little bit more about Kevin. Uh, So why don't you like just start off, tell us uh, where you're calling from and, and what is your job there at Ride With GPS? Uh, I'm calling from wonderful Portland, Oregon. Uh, that's where we are headquartered, uh, even though I guess we're now kind of a, a remote first workforce due to you know what's been going on the last year, year plus. I oversee our marketing right now here at Ride with GPS. I've been here for just about eight years now. Um, I was the fourth person hired back in August of 2013. I guess one of our owners' wife, Steph, was actually doing customer support back then, but I guess maybe I was our kind of official, official first right. customer service person. Yeah, in the beginning, it's always, uh, it's kind of all hands on deck, grabbing and, your and friends all and of everybody. This, yeah, <laughs> exactly. All of us had 1,400 jobs. Yeah. Um, and I was actually working a full-time job at the time. And uh, I I guess, should I talk about how I started yeah, here or how actually, I applied? I gonna, Would that be interesting? Yeah, I was actually, that was my next question. I mean, you've been there, you know, like you said, you were one of the first official employees. So, I mean, you've really seen the growth of the company. So yeah, uh, yeah. love to hear a little bit more about it. Sure. Yeah. Um, we started in 20, 2007, uh, by owner Zach and Colin, uh, who were also engineers at the company. Um, and it kind of became more of a, a thing around 2009. Um, and they started really working on it with a concerted focus effort around then. Uh, and then in 2013, they hired myself. Um, and then a couple of weeks earlier, uh, they hired uh, our head mobile engineer, Kevin, as well. We were the first two hires uh, back in 2013. And I guess I'd like to point out that, you know, at that time, 50% of our company was Kevin's. Uh, so it was pretty spectacular, if I do say so myself. It was a good time to be a Kevin. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um but uh, yeah, I was working uh, just another job. I was an analyst at a chemical company and it was just kind of a whatever job. Uh, and so I was just kind of casually looking and, you know, looking for maybe something better, you know, maybe looking to earn a couple of extra bucks. And so I was kind of just casually looking and I saw an ad posted on Craigslist for a part-time uh, bicycle technology customer service person. I was like, oh, that's kind of unique and interesting. I'd actually just started commuting a couple years prior because I didn't really like commuting by car to, you know, the job that I had. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'm interested in this stuff and I like technology. So, uh, yeah, I could, let's explore this. Yeah, let's check Uh, it out. But yeah, the the most important thing was where the office was because I was, you know, commuting in 30 minutes to my current job, uh, working eight, eight plus hours. Um, and so, you know, if the office of Rabbit GPS was, you know, across town an hour, and then I had to get off my job, ride an hour to the other job, work for whatever I was going to be working for time-wise, and then, you know, commute an hour home, that wasn't, you know, that (laughs) my, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, you know, she'd be like, you bozo, what are you doing? You're not going to do any of that stuff. At that point, you're not making enough money to justify the time. Right, exactly. So, um, and at the time, they didn't really have the address wasn't easily discoverable. I spent hours and hours and hours trying to find an address for them. Um, and after an exhaustive search, I finally found it. 
And it was literally right around the corner from my current office. It, Didn't and even I was need in, to use uh, Rywood GPS to get there, huh? No complex routing needed for this <laughs> one. I didn't even get on my bike. I walked out the door, nice. walked my bike around the corner into the Gotham building, and that's where it was. Um, and that it was, was meant it. To be. That was it. Was meant to be that I wouldn't have applied if it. I mean, it could have been a little farther away, but that was the reason. That was the catalyst for doing this. Um, so I applied and uh, talked with Colin on the phone, interview. And then came in and met the rest of the team. And, uh, you know, that was it and kind of started, you know, I got off around 3.34 of my current job. I would go in uh, for like three to four hours in the evening and, and work and then go home and did that till around the holidays, Christmas time later that year in 2013. Um, and then they're like, hey, do you know, do you want to come on full time? Um, I was like, oh, yeah, I probably <laughs> can't be working two jobs for the rest of my life. Um, but did give it, a, you know, a lot of thought, you know. I was, you know, giving up something, you know, permanent and full-time to take a risk on this other thing that was kind of obscure, you know, yeah. bicycle technology. It's not, you know, petroleum or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. So you started in 2013. So that would have been like in 2014. Yeah. Christmas of 2013 was. Oh, hey, Christmas wanna, of 2013. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to come on? So I, yeah. you know, had ran up by the boss at home. Um, I was like, hey, let, you know, I, I'd like to try this out. You know, I was moderately young or not that old, whatever. I don't know how you quantify those types of <laughs> things. But, you know, I was in a position where I was you know, putting pressure on myself to, you know, have the, the notion that I needed to be working the job that I was going to be working the rest of my life right then. Right. You know, I could still, you know, take a risk, explore sure. some things, try to find something really cool. And so I did that. Especially for like a, a really cool opportunity with a cool company, you know, I mean, yeah, if it's yeah. something you're going to do all the time, every single day for your job to be able to do it with a cool company. It would be nice if the job <laughs> was nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so did it. And here we are, you know, about eight years later and uh, best, best risk I've probably ever taken. One of the best nice. decisions I've ever made. Um, it, it's great. I work with a bunch of great people. Uh, the job is great. It's rewarding. It's challenging. Um, I really, you know, I do, I really have a dream job. That's awesome, man. Well, let's uh, talk about your personal history with bikes a little bit. Um, you mentioned that you were a commuter. So was this more of like a hobby that kind of kicked up a few notches once you started working at Ride with GPS or how did that go down? Yeah, that was really it. You know, I yeah, had started commuting a few years prior and that was good and fun, but hadn't really been out um, on a lot of like recreational rides. Um, I was actually rock climbing most of my free time. I've been rock climbing for years. That was what I did. That was my thing. Then started working here, and uh, we uh, we have a bike stipend for new employees. Um, it's important for employees to you know have a bike so they <laughs> yeah. can what we call in the industry dog food our product. Yeah. Um, it's important for them for us to use our product and report bad things or report bugs or report good things or, you know, we don't like a button that's here or we need this other thing here or whatever. Um, so we want to ensure that we provide the resources for everyone here to do that. So after a while, I got a road bike and started using that to commute on. Um, and then we kind of started going on office rides, you know, 20 mile rides or 30 mile rides. And we have some hills here. Um, that was it. So just kind of started to inch my way a little yeah. further 
um, eventually got a bike with larger tires um, <laughs> and started to dabble into the gravel stuff. And, the, and then that was it. You know, I just yeah. started riding more. And then that's what I wanted to do on the weekends. I wanted to go ride gravel and away we went. I can imagine that uh, working in marketing, seeing this stuff day in, day out, I can only imagine that uh, it just ignites this like desire to go and do it. I mean, you just can't sit there and do it on your computer all day long and not have that fire to go and do it yourself, I think. The FOMO is real uh, with, <laughs> with this position. Very real. And it's, it's re more real now than ever. Um, yeah. Given yeah. that we're in a pandemic and I got two little, you know, you're a dad, I'm a dad. You yeah. know, I don't have endless amounts of free time to For sure. just leave Friday lunchtime and come back Sunday late <laughs> afternoon. That ain't happened. Those days anymore. are gone, my friend. Yeah, Those days are yeah. gone. Right. So, so what kind of riding are you doing these days? Uh, you know, the small quantities of time uh, that yeah. I have. Um, We've got uh, the West Hills here in Portland that um, are pretty good for road riding. I'm, you know, I used to be very burnt out on riding the, you know, the same thing, the same climbs over and over. But now that I'm riding so infrequently, they're not so bad to get back on if you haven't yeah. ridden it in like a month or two or whatever. Oh, for um, sure. I'll, you know, occasionally be able to get out for longer gravel rides. Uh, Washington County, just to the west of us, has some good gravel. Uh, the gorge area, you know, if you're going to hop in a car and go somewhere, we do have some spectacular gravel routes um, in the area if you want to, you know, have a little bit of travel time. How far do you have to drive to get there? You could drive, you know, the Washington County stuff, you could ride there. You know, you would have, you know, I guess I'm in Southeast Portland. Um, you know, I'd have a two hour ride to get to the gravel. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for me, that would probably be too robust of a day yeah. <laughs> if I was going to ride two hours and then go ride two hours of gravel and then ride two hours back, or at the very least, wouldn't have the time to do that. Yeah. Um, if you want to get in a car, you can be somewhere in 45 minutes and have some really, really primo stuff. We've got a lot of awesome riders, a lot of great communities here. Um, we have a group here called Our Mother of the Mountain, go by OMTM, who have developed the most unbelievable gravel rides, you know, around town, 30 minutes away, an hour away, two hours away, um, just the most highly curated, perfect stuff. Um, so there's always a nice long list of stuff to go back and redo or new stuff to go try. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I find recently with the limited time that I have that I'm, I'm driving, uh, out of town, getting out of town and going straight to the gravel roads. You know, I have, uh, you know, several good routes that are within like a 25, 30 minute drive, uh, from, from me. And I, I call it skipping the bullshit and get into the good shit. <laughs> uh, well put, well put. I have a feeling that you and I might be in a little bit of a different situation, uh, in that your cycling infrastructure, uh, where you live in Portland is probably way, uh, better than what I have here in Texas. Yeah, that's, Probably accurate. Um, Portland's pretty good. We've got a decent amount of infrastructure here. Um, to the outsider, it would probably be, you know, a mecca of sorts. Um, as a resident, you know, I, I think there's always room for improvement or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not originally from here. I was born and raised in Kansas. I've got 
a brother in Austin. I've got a brother in Dallas. I, uh, you know, I, I have definitely seen firsthand the lack of infrastructure and the lack of good writing. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely. I'm sure it's, yeah, pretty different. For sure. But Austin though, Austin has some great bike infrastructure and that's, that's a place where, um, actually jumping ahead just a little bit, but I love to use your heat maps because you can literally go to a town like Austin or Portland and, and just fire up the heat maps and immediately see, you know, the, the roads that the local side cyclists are riding, the preferred roads in the area. So, yeah, I mean, I use it that way quite frequently. Yeah. And that's one of like the big, you know, when we, we knew we wanted to do this for a long time and then we finally got around to developing the heat map. Um, and that was really, you know, one of the big scenarios that it aims to solve, you know, you fly in somewhere yeah. and, you know, maybe you had a, maybe you have a bike, but maybe there's bike share there or whatever. Um, and it's like, okay, well, how do I get into the city now? Or how do I get to my hotel or how do I get to my Airbnb? Um, it's like, Oh, just open up the heat map and you can see where, everyone in that town is riding. And that's a pretty good indicator of what the most, you know, it's an indicator of the most popular, you know, routes, um, right. which also generally correlates to, you know, I wouldn't ride on dangerous roads if there was a road right adjacent to me that had a bike lane or a share or whatever. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ride in the bike lane and the share and those things generally line up pretty well together. Right. Correct. Correct. So let's talk a little bit about ride with GPS itself. Um, how was it started and what was the vision in the beginning? And just give us a little history. Came about uh, in 2007 uh, by our owners, uh, Zach Ham, who was a computer science major down in Eugene at the University of Oregon. And uh, one of his good friends from high school, Colin King, uh, who was in the computer science program just north at Oregon State University. Um, and Zach was kind of, it was kind of like a a, a class project actually, um, where he kind of had the idea of uh, <clears throat> a platform to plan routes for bicycle rides and actually uh, motorcycle rides. Uh, they've both been uh, riding motos for as long as I've known them. It actually, our original logo was a bicycle helmet and a motorcycle helmet. It, we still kind of laugh about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, they started working on it together as a platform to plan routes to then get on your Garmin device. That was kind of the, that was like the missing link. Um, so it was kind of a route planning platform for bicycles and motorcycles. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, it was a cool project and also probably fulfilled a personal desire for them to find and plan uh, cycling routes along with, you know, backcountry moto routes as well. Um, and then I think they, one point they just tossed up like a donation button at some point and just to like see what was going on and people start donating like hey like we really need this there isn't anything um around like this um and you know that was around that time you know maybe 20, you know 2009 or so kind of strava came on board uh but they had started with a mobile app as opposed to like the web presence whereas we started from the other side of the hill and started with the route player. We didn't have a mobile app for a number of years. It was the route planner on the web. Um, and then it just became more and more of a legitimate thing. Probably a registered business, maybe around 2000, I think 2009, um, and then continued iterating on it. And then 2013, when I came on in August, was the 
launch of the new kind of website. They redesigned everything. The motorcycle helmet went away. Um, they refreshed everything. And that was like, boom, here it is. Um, Do you know why they switched away from motorcycles and, and, and focused primarily on just bicycles? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I don't know about the motorcycle part. We've just always, you know, cyclists are who use us, you know. There are certainly lots of other, you know, there are moto, tons of moto people that use us. Um, lots of runners use us. I actually, with the limited amount of time I have, I'm actually more so a runner now because I can just get out and run four yeah. miles in a thirty in thirty minutes, and that's the time I've got. Um, there's all sorts of weird stuff. So snowplow departments use our navigation and route planners to create routes and do stuff like that. Um, snowplow. You know, so, yeah, uh, I, there's like uh, ice cream truck delivery routes. Anything you can imagine, there's been there's <laughs> there plenty of one offs, and it's pretty wild. Paper. I'm um, thinking as a pay, you know when I I was growing up like 16, I had a paper route. You know, yep, if you had to ride with GPS, you could do POIs for all the houses, and you could just yeah, yeah, corner that paper route, corner yeah, that paper, corner that paper route market. But we, you know, we've always very consciously remained committed to cyclists. You know, that's, you know, predominantly who we are. It's predominantly who uses us. Um, you know, it is a GPS product, so you can, you know, I use it for runs. Lots of people use it for runs. Yeah. And there's some things there where we would like to fix where if, you know, when I go on a run and upload, it shows like Kevin went on a ride. It's like, well, it's kind of a run and that's not really a big thing. So we're looking to kind of, you know, shore up a few of those uh, smaller things, but we've just, you know, if we're working on something that's running focused, you know, what we're not doing, we're not working on something that's cycling focused. Right. And like that's, we're committed to, to cyclists. That's well, at some point companies need to determine what their focus, you know, you need to be good at something, right? You need to focus on something, yeah. um, especially in the beginning as a new company, you got to do something very well. And then you can work on probably branching out, I would think. But do you know what what problem was Ride with GPS looking to solve primarily? I mean, was it the route building that was the yes. guiding force? Yep. Yep. It's, it was route planner. Uh, people needed a place to plan, easily plan routes to then get onto their Garmin devices. Right. That was really, if you needed, you know, there were some other, you know, factors there, but if you needed, if you had to boil it down to one thing, that's what it was. Wahoo wasn't a thing back then. Um, you know, it just wasn't a thing. Not to say, you know, we love Wahoo and have a great relationship with Wahoo, but Garmin's yeah. were pretty much the only thing going on back then. And smartphones really hadn't taken off yet. Sure. Um, they were, you know, they were there um, and, you know, kind of apps were coming out, but it was like, oh, People want to plan routes and people right. want to know where they're going. And so that was, you know, that was, there was a need in the market and this filled that need. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that I wanted to, it's worth mentioning maybe is that I personally shed my Garmin device probably three years ago and have switched totally to an iPhone for, uh, navigating. I mean, I, you know, I find it to be easy because you, you know, you have everything, you've got a camera, you can navigate, you can look something up if you need to, and you have service and it works really well. I mean, from your app, you, there's a lot of functionality for, you know, creating routes and also altering routes. Um, so can you talk about 
the transition between, you know, going from a garment only to having this app and maybe some of the pros and cons of each. Cause you know, for me, I I'm, I'm solely with my iPhone, but I know other people use their Wahoo or their Garmin or whatever. Yeah. I think the two big things that we hear are battery life of a phone and then uh, the hesitancy of people to put a phone on their handlebars in case it pops off or in case they crash or whatever. I use an iPhone. Uh, I've only used our, our iOS app forever. You already said all the reasons why I use it without me yeah. saying it. You know, I'm familiar with it. Um, I think the biggest thing was I already have it. Um, so, you yeah, know, aside from like, I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody to throw away their Wahoo or throw away their Garmin. But if you don't have one of those, I would suggest trying to use your mobile phone or something. Um, Because you can get nearly everything that a, you know, standalone GPS device offers. And if you're concerned with battery life, like maybe I was when I started uh, going out and doing overnighters and stuff, I just bought like a $16 battery pack. And it gets me, I've had it for got it for a number of years now and it gets me four full phone charges so you know i can leave you know my i you know i leave on day x and my phone's charged uh you know we offer everything to where you can do everything with your phone in airplane mode so you're not consuming hardly any battery at all i can get to my destination at night i can charge it up while i sleep and i can do the next thing the next day and then i can repeat and then repeat again and now i've got a number of days where I can, I'm just using my phone. That's been my experience a hundred percent. You know, I have an anchor, actually I got it out just so I figured, you know, I have this little battery pack. I paid $30 for it on Amazon. It recharges my phone from dead five times. And whenever I go on rides, I'm usually in airplane mode. I, Flicking on if I need if I need to do something, but essentially I don't want to hear from anybody. I have it on airplane mode. It's saving, you know, battery life. And uh, I found the battery life honestly, you know, you I can leave my screen on, have it in airplane mode, and follow the route on my device. And I found the battery life to go like all day, you know, I mean, it just, it, it does not, I don't think it's, it's bad as long as you're, if you have your Bluetooth on and you've got your cell phone on and you're like doing a bunch of other stuff, then yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's the thing is, yeah. If you've got your screen on all the time, if you're connected, you left Wi-Fi on and your phone's trying to do enough, you know, all these things, um, that's what will start draining it. Um, but yeah, downloading things for offline use. Uh, the voice navigation so people can, uh, you know, the device, the phone, the app can tell you what's coming up, what you have to look forward to. Uh, so you don't have to have your screen on all the time. You know, those I like are- it because just I actually it's good. Sometimes I, I uh, I'll, I'll be honest, like. I like to look at all the data and the numbers, but sometimes it can be distracting from the experience. So I try to like, just turn off my phone completely and allow, like you said, you got the notifications, you know, and stuff. So. Yeah. That was kind of the impetus for adding the, like a mute button into the app um, where it's like, Oh yeah, I don't always need these things happening. Um, And for us, this was also the impetus of putting the, you know, the way, the way our audio navigation works is you can get a warning a quarter mile before a turn. So you get an audio notification, be like, in a quarter mile, turn right. Uh, then as you get near the turn, we will give you another audio to- notification and we'll say, you know, turn right onto Patrick Street. 
And then after you make that turn and we clear that queue, if your turn is, if your next turn is farther than I believe a quarter mile away, we'll then give you another queue that says in a half mile turn left or in 30 miles turn left or whatever, depending on the next queue. Um, I think that's really like an underappreciated, the after queue is kind of the underappreciated queue where it's yeah. like, okay, when you get like in seven miles, turn left. And for me, it's like, okay, yeah, I don't have to do shit for seven miles except enjoy, pardon my French, but you know, I got nothing. I don't have turns. I don't have anything. It's just the road ahead of me for the next seven miles and I can space out. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to pay attention to anything other than what's in front of me. That's a great point, a great tip. And I'm going to, I'm going to employ that. You're right. If you use that after you can just say, man, seven miles, don't have to worry about it. That's a great tip. You know, the other one that I never have heard that or thought about that, about, um, not having on your handlebars due to damage, but you know, you put your Garmin or your Wahoo on your handlebars too. Right. And I guess maybe the yeah. ideas are a little more durable and maybe a little bit less expensive, but I don't know. You still got a 400 something dollar thing. On your- They're de- yeah, definitely more rugged. And I think it's more so like th- my phone is my emergency lifeline and I don't want something to happen to that. It's a valid so, point. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, I totally get that. Yeah. I've also been mountain biking and crashed and broken my wrist and the phone was totally fine. So I am a, a real world use case that the phone was still fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, I've had friends drop, you know, they put their cell phone on top of their truck, go down the highway 70 miles an hour yeah. and the phone is fine as long as you have a case. I don't know. I mean, every ultimately everybody can make their own dis- distinction yeah, of right. what they want. But I think the point being is all, if all you have is an iPhone or whatever your uh, phone is and you're using the application, I found it to be very good. And with a couple little tricks with battery life and stuff, um, it's a it's a totally valid option. I know Garmin's have better battery life and, and, and more dar- durable and probably Wahoo and stuff. But like I said, I don't use them anymore. So I don't really have any um, real firsthand knowledge that I could speak to. But if you don't mind, you know, I think the two big dogs in the industry are Strava and Ride with GPS. And in my mind, this is just the way I look at it, but I'm interested to get your perspective. Strava to me is kind of like the Facebook of cycling and you, you know, um, and, and Ride with GPS I use exclusively for route building. In my mind, it is the best route building tool out there. And that is the biggest distinction. You can build ride, routes on Strava. Um, for me, Ride with GPS has more features, more functionality, better, more maps, all that stuff. So, um, can you talk about that? Because those are going to be the two that most people are most familiar with. Yeah. Um, and I would, you know, we consider ourselves different, you know, even though we're obviously in the same marketplace and there's definite overlaps in, you know, what we offer. And, you know, we have a lot of people who use us who also use them. Um, and that's certainly, you know, a very real world scenario. Um, but in terms of like things that we focus on, uh, you know, we consider ourselves to be different and we focus on different things. And I think, you know, a lot of that is um, while there is overlap, our audiences are, you know, a bit different. Their audience would probably tend to be more focused on, you know, metrics and segments and analytics and data and then the social aspect of, you know, the things that they're that they're doing. Whereas, right, we're committed to the route planner and committed to adding 
tools to the route planner and committed to our mobile app and committed to adding tools to our mobile app and to the navigation, uh, you know, the navigation tools that we're working on. Um, and I think, you know, over time, we've just kind of slowly moved away from the kind of the parallel line of, you know, they had a mobile app and we had a website and then they came out the website and then we came out the mobile app and we're, you know, kind of moving back and forth and doing these other things um, or doing things that the other one was doing. Nowadays, like we don't sit around talking about what they're doing and what they did and, and the need to do that. And I'm sure that they're probably not sit around talking <laughs> about <laughs> us being like, oh, those guys were going to yeah. go get them and, you know, do everything that they're doing. I don't listen to other podcasts thinking the same thing. You know, it's like you just stay in your own lane and you focus on, like we were saying, the things that are important to you, the things you're prioritizing, you know, the functionality of your app that, that you want to prioritize. And uh, I mean, I think, is it fair to say, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe you don't, maybe you don't get on Strava. I don't know, but uh, I am one of those people that use both and I I'll use Strava just to um, record a ride, but I intentionally don't log every ride in Ridewood GPS because I don't want it to be cluttered. Like I, I try to keep that for all of my routes that I'm building, all the trips that I've gone on. Like I just make that distinction where if I'm just going on a ride, I'll use Strava. But if I'm like going on an adventure, if I'm going on a longer thing, if I need to create a route and need more functionality, I use Ride With GPS. We all certainly use them as well. We got to, you know, we got to know what's going on. Okay. We got to know, you know, we, we got to know what everybody's doing. So your doing blinders all aren't on that good. But Definitely yeah. not. No, 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 no. Um, you know, which is good. You know, we dog food our stuff and we got to dog food everybody else's stuff. So yeah. um, we certainly, yeah, certainly do that. And it leads to very good things. Uh, last year, uh, we introduced the ability to sync your ride with GPS rides over to your Strava account automatically. Um, and when we start talking about it, people are like, I thought you guys were mortal enemies. Like, what are you guys doing? It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like the amount of times that people have mentioned to us about, you know, I'm going to use your navigation. I'm playing routes. I'm going to navigate them, but I just need my ride over on Strava. It's like, oh, well, okay, we can do that. So now, and it ended up being a very good decision for us. Now come use our mobile app and you get navigation and you still can record all your stuff. It's, it's exactly the same. And then when you're done and you click save, your ride's automatically over on Strava. So yeah. we were able to carve out more you know, mobile activity and mobile desire because really the, the end goal was just using all of our stuff and they just wanted the ride over there. So we yeah. Um, well, I could see like people wanting all of their ride, like if they were using it like me were, um, and I, I don't follow my metrics too clo closely, but I know a lot of people do. And if they want every ride cataloged in one area, you know, maybe that's, that's the way they want to do it. So, and I would also point out the differences in our companies in that, like, you know, we get all of our money from our members and that's it. And it's, that's always been the case since, you know, 2007 or whenever the, whenever the donation button has was placed on the site, whereas them and others, you know, have received funding in some cases, lots of funding and people don't give other people money without wanting to say in things. So, you know, we don't have to listen to anyone except our community. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's scary. And I've, I've told this, you know, I've, explain this kind of point of view before um, where it's scary because I'm not just sitting next to this huge bag of money that can kind of <laughs> act as a safety net. But it's also refreshing that 
we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Um, we don't have to listen to anybody. We don't have to listen to somebody who's not, maybe not even a cyclist. They just happen to have a bunch of money that they gave us. You know, so we, so on, I'm, I'm curious, like on that note, um, how are you interfacing with the community and, and getting feedback and that kind of stuff? I would proudly proclaim that we have the best customer support in the business. Maybe the best customer support of any company in the universe. Um, it's always been at the forefront of the company. The majority of our employee, employees for the longest time were customer service people. You know, Not only does it provide support for our community and answer questions for our community, it's also it's the eyes and the ears. It's, you know, we're not physically, you know, we're virtually on the ground, but it's, you know, kind of the same as being on the ground and listening to, you know, what are people's issues? What are they having problems with? What do they like about the other company that, you know, the other platform that they're using? What do they dislike about the other platform that they're using? And I think, you know, if you've ever emailed info at rivetgps.com, you've, I would imagine you've probably had a pretty good experience. And, you know, our goal is to make everyone, you know, we don't, only give support to paid members. We give support to everyone. We have seven day a week support. Um, we take vi- we make videos for people. We give them images. We walk them through everything. Come on, um, podcast. That's right. Exactly. It's worked. It is you know for us it is a proven success formula, and it will always be the case for us. Yeah, I love to hear that. So you brought up uh, your paid service, and that was one thing I wanted to touch on. Let's talk about um, the differences. Is it just basic and premium? Are those the two levels, and what are the differences? We start with Starter is the free level where you can record rides, you can uh, plan routes, you can analyze stats, um, you can view the heat map when you're viewing a route or a ride on the web. Uh, one very important thing I would point out is that in the mobile app, when you're recording, the heat map overlay is free to everyone, uh, regardless of your account level. That was a very conscious decision that we made. Like you said, if you're just you're landing at an airport in a new area or whatever, like, well, wouldn't it be amazing if anybody could just start recording and view the heat map? Yeah, that's what we did. I think that's cool that y'all did that. We then have the basic tier, um, which is primarily focused on the mobile app. So basic will get you the mobile route planner, uh, the ability to download routes for offline use, voice navigation, live logging in the mobile app, and then premium gets you all of that. And then on the web gets you all of our advanced planning tools in the route player. And then some other kind of like fringe write write analysis stuff. And uh, worth noting that uh, patrons of this show get 10% off uh, membership. Oh, 20? 20? Yeah, two zero. Too generous. Uh, yeah, y'all are doubly generous. <laughs> no, I mean, I you know, it, I think it's worth it. I mean, if you can, especially if you're saving money on buying a new unit, maybe get the premium. Uh, it's just so you much said it, fun. Not me. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's 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 what I do, you know. So right. I think there's a lot of value in the premium service. Do y'all do like a 30 day free thing, or is it? Is yeah, it... we yeah we do. Uh, okay. you can sign up for a trial. So you for get sure. to try Absolutely. it out. Okay, yep. cool. It's been I've had it for so long. I didn't remember if I got a, a, a trial or not. So um, so you brought up uh, heat maps, and that's 
revolutionized route making, really, in my opinion. And it seems to be a fairly new thing. What is heat maps? Where does it come from? And 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 explain to people, you know, what it is and and how how we. I mean, we've touched on it a little bit, but um, what are heat yeah. maps? And where does where does all that information come from? That's what I want to know. Uh, information comes from our user base. Um, so, and this was. Uh, we introduced this about a year ago or so, you know, and it was the longest requested feature that we've ever gotten. Um, you know, Strava had a heat map when you were viewing content on their site, but you know, everyone was planning over on our site. And, you know, one of the most common scenarios we got was, oh, I'll have two windows up and I'll be planning on your, in your, on your site in this window. And I'll be, you know, referencing Strava's heat map over here. Exactly. hundred um, percent. Yep. So oh, I have we, three because then, then I sometimes have the Google street, uh, satellite view, um, which I know we can get to in yours, but sometimes I had all three going. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Never too many windows. Of Never course. too many. Um, so like, well, we should do this. And then we finally got around to doing it. So, um, we had all the data. We, we had the same data. We all have ride data. And privacy is a big, you know, very important for us to, you know, we don't want to misplace the trust of our community. So like, okay, we're going to take all this ride data and then we're going to exclude all private trips. And then we're going to anybody that has a private account with us, you can set your profile to private by default. We'll exclude those rides as well. And then we ended up with this database of millions and millions of rides. And then that is the heat map data that you see. Okay. I have a question for you. Yes. Now for me, for example, all my stuff is set to private, which no one can see what I do unless I share it with them. And it also doesn't get recorded to heat maps. I actually, what, is there an option to just keep it private if you viewed my profile, but allow my data to be shared with heat maps? I think it's coming. You aren't the first person to actually ask us that. Um, we've gotten that a number of times. So I do think it's coming. Yeah. Um, this I don't is a good mind. I, I like to contribute my data to, uh, you know, the heat maps, but sure. yeah. just, I have projects that I'm working on and, and stuff and I don't always want people, you know, I'm, I'm releasing things when I'm ready to release them and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, it's a good time. You know, one of the things that we discussed prior to this was what's next, what's coming. Yeah. Um, we're currently working on personal heat maps. So, the ability for you to, you know, see your heat data as opposed yeah. to everyone in the universe's heat data. Um, so, there are iterations coming and then you know, other settings there, such as the ability to contribute your ride data and still keep your, because we anonymize everything, obviously. Right, right. Um, yeah, that'd so be a cool feature. You so you that. could do your own personal heat map and make it public or not public or. Yeah, well, essential. you could, yeah, you could keep your stuff private, but still see your personal heat map. Um, so you could load up all your rides. And then from there, uh, we're going to work on the ability to select trips from that heat, which we're super stoked on. So if you're viewing heat map and you see a road that's got, you know, tons of heat and it looks all fiery, or maybe you see something obscure out in the middle of nowhere, the ability to, you know, perhaps right click and see a list of trips and then view that trip. So you can actually see what mm. rides somebody did out in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Or what all these rides on this really popular road, like where are they going? Where did they come from? Um, stuff like that. Going to be 
gonna be awesome. Gonna be yeah, sweet. I love that. So like, would it even so for example, like my restaurant tour in Sam Houston National Forest, if someone pulled up the heat map, um, they they put their cursor, I mean, they're not seeing the route, but if they put their cursor where they see, because you can actually, if you go to heat map, you see the restaurant. I mean, it's been written so many times. It's right. like there. So someone could go and they'd hover over it, right click over it or something. And it would, it would populate with, hey, this is a route that's on this area. These are some other rides kind of deal. Yeah. All, so yeah, in a point of clarification, no routes, no routes are included in the in the heat data. All trips, things that were recorded with a mobile app, are uploaded from a Garmin or a Wahoo. Yeah. But yeah, you'll be able to write. But what if you did? But what if you did it as a like? Because whenever I do that route, I always record it as a. It's like one trip. Yes, correct. So that's included. That would be included. Right. Yes. Okay. So you'll be able to click that and then see, you know, Patrick's restaurant tour trip and be able to select right. that, or you know. January 1st, 2021 ride or whatever by so-and-so. Um, and, and then you know, from there, I would assume you can also filter based on uh, distance and some other metrics maybe, or no? I mean, I think uh, in terms of- I know of we're pers- getting ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is great. This is best. <laughs> it's an all heat map show. Um, but uh, in terms of the personal heat maps, those are the things where we're going is being able to filter your own heat on, you know, when you're, if, if we do do it, the right click method on the general heat map, you know, you would see, a, you know, this route, this distance, this elevation gain, do you want to view it or not? So yeah. you wouldn't be clicking blindly. We would give you some basis of what it was. Um, okay. And then for your personal heat maps, yeah, being able to hopefully filter by dates or filter by distance or elevation gain, or maybe you want to filter on a particular bike that you've set up as a piece right. of gear or something like that. We just have to work through the, the back end side of how we like... Do we spend a little bit of more time up front and load all the data all at once into the, into the screen and then you get to do it? Or do we quickly load it, load some stuff up and then we kind of have to then, each time you make a selection or a filter, we kind of um, fuss the data then. It takes a couple of seconds to load So. Yeah. Well, I know that's all kind of uh, still in the works, so we won't hold your feet to the fire too closely. But uh, <laughs> no, it's exciting. I mean, I think I think the heat maps have just, like I said, completely revolutionized route building and and just being able to easily create rides, routes and go ride in almost any area. Um, so it's, it's exciting to hear like what's coming down the pipeline. Okay, maps. So we click on ride with gps and on the right top hand side you've got 11 map options so i figured i'd give you an opportunity to talk about just you know what maybe what are some of your favorites or yeah why why 11 maps people want options um and you know you could break it into more kind of concrete let's talk about it in terms of geography in North America, Google is still kind of the de facto, you know, people are used to Google. When you talk about, you know, driving directions or directions in general or whatever, it's Google, you know, Google, Google, Google. But most other places, it's still OSM, OpenStreetMap. So you get into the EU and it's not, from our experience, not people aren't planning routes in, in one of the Google-based maps. They're planning it in RWGPS or one of, excuse me, the OSM maps. So, and we are essentially a 50-50 North American international company. So we need to cater to our audience. Um, and therefore sense. we offer, yeah. So therefore we are, you know, keeping these options around. And there's very important things. Would we love to not pay the bill that we pay to Google each year? You're damn right. We <laughs> <laughs> but people like satellite and hybrid maps. And street people, view. 
people, Street View. We'll never get away from Street View. Um, so yeah. So yeah, when you click that drop down, you'll see map, terrain, satellite, hybrid at the top. Those are all Google-based maps. They use Google tiles, Google's tiles for those map layers. And they also use Google's routing service for those layers as well. The next one down, RWGPS, those are our map tiles. Uh, we created and styled those and own those tiles. Uh, OSM. You want to uh, share your screen and and you can oh, yeah, uh, be showing be some of them while you're while you're talking about them. Yeah, we're gonna be using the maps heavily here very soon, so might as well fire up that bad yeah, boy. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let me. I'm, know I'm ready we're... to get it into the map. Oh, look at it! <laughs> look at that beautiful ride with GPS. Yeah, so there's all the maps, <laughs> and you got to actually scroll down to see all of them. There's so many. I had to count. There was eleven. <laughs> Right, yeah, there are many. I'm gonna just so yeah, over here in the right hand side, uh, map terrain, satellite hybrid, Google-based maps. When you're planning, when you're clicking, and actually, why don't so I'm in map. This is Google Maps using Google's routing service, and I'm planning, and it takes me, you know, kind of a funky way. It's like, well, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to go through that way. Like I wanted to go right here, but Google didn't allow me to do that. Um, so I'm going to select RWGPS and making that selection switches the map tiles. It also switches the routing surface to OpenStreetMaps routing, as does all of the rest of these map tiles. So OSM. OSM so the cycle. only ones that aren't using Google. Is, so Google is maps, satellite, and hybrid. And terrain. And yes. terrain, the top yes. four. Top four Google, the rest of them our various, you know, ours and then other map styles that we license that all use open street maps. Okay, that's really good information. And so here, oops, undo that. So here it didn't let me go. This is Mackenzie Pass, very famous, very famous uh, route uh, here, but it's closed during the winter time uh, because it's snowed in. And uh, there's, you know, Google downloads uh, transportation department data from various transportation departments as they close down roads and those downloads get uh, processed and uploaded to Google Maps and their routing service. And then we're constantly updating our routing servers to get those updates. So, you know, we download Google's, hey, McKenzie Pass is closed. Well, a couple of days later, it's closed on our route planner as well. But it's always nice where you uh, can switch map styles. So go from a Google-based routing map to an OSM-based routing map. So here's right GPS, or I can go to OSM or whatever. I'll click undo. It's actually being uh, updated kind of right now. Maybe everyone has it closed right now. So let's try to, I wonder if they actually updated it. They're actually kind of, <laughs> well, they're, we're Since in like- two the, days ago. Well, right. Yeah, you saw it two days ago. <laughs> yeah, we baited, um, we baited this two days ago and it worked. <laughs> or no, they, they, they heard us and they fooled us. This is um, like, uh, what was it when Tesla was revealing their um, bulletproof glass and they, you know, tested the bulletproof. And he just smashed it. And he just smashed it. Yeah, once it once, right. You know, once you get live, once you're recording, man. There we go. Um, so, yeah, this is always kind of the go-to one for me where um, Google closes it down. Um but uh, OSM will allow you to route on it because yeah. OSM is totally different and they don't have those updates and generally things that you can't do in a Google-based map, you can do in an OSM-based yeah. map. So, um, right, if you're ever using the planner 
and you're using one of the Google-based maps and you get some kind of silly pop-up that's like, no cycling route found, switch to one of the OSM-based maps. And oftentimes you can kind of get around that. And then when you're done with that problem area or trouble spot, you can always switch back to your preferred map and go back to whatever routing service. So you can do these things in real time. And one thing I've noticed with the different maps is that a lot of them show different things, different roads, forest roads specifically, those kinds of things that aren't, you know, maybe mapped as well on other maps. Do you know why that is that you're seeing different things with different maps? I mean, wouldn't all the maps kind of pull all the data from the same place or something? I mean, I don't know how all this stuff works, but. I, uh, I mean, no, I mean, we'll start with the two differences of, you know, Google is Google and Google does what Google does. Whereas OpenStreetMaps is, you know, people contribute to the data of OpenStreetMaps. And I think that's the popularity like over in the EU of OpenStreetMaps has hung around forever because people, it's great. You know, a new path opens up and people go out and ride and they submit that path to OpenStreetMaps and then it gets updated and it's available to everyone. Uh, Something closes down, there's road construction or whatever, like it's, you know, users are contributing to the success of the database. So they are very different, you know, they're very different things that are getting updated at various times or not getting updated at various times. And then, you know, a bunch of different entities. OSM is the official OSM, like map base, map tiles. Um, Whereas these other two are not official OSM ones, they're uh, map styles that we found uh, from other organizations. We're like, oh, this is cool. We, they provide cool data. OSM, uh, OSM Outdoor is really cool and it provides uh, some pretty good topography information. So if right. I really zoom in here, uh, your little numbers here, this is giving me 10 foot increments. This is valuable information to have and therefore it's you know important for us to offer it in the planner. Yeah. So that's, I think what I wanted to point out to people is, is, I mean, it is good to know the difference between OSM and and Google. I I actually didn't know that. I've always just used it to find things that you might not be able to find. It could be like a water source or a a hiking trail. I mean, you know, they don't always pop up on every level. So going through, you're really able to kind of explore and find things that may not show up in other areas. And obviously there's a benefit of, uh, you know, maybe a route doesn't work in Google, but you can try it in an OSM and it'll, it'll work. What about like finding, is there a way to find paved versus gravel? And another question kind of in that same vein is public versus private, private land. Yeah. Surface type would be the like next, aside from, you know, it was heat maps. And now the last big remaining thing people ask us for is surface types. Um, So currently right now, a great option would be, you know, switching to the hybrid map or a satellite map and zooming in. Okay, so here's the yeah stampede route I was looking at. So um, if I really want to zoom in, it's like, okay, here's a road. Um, but if I go to hybrid, it's like, okay, that looks pretty gravelly. Um, pretty gravelly to me, at least. Um, and generally things you can look for are solid white lines on the, you know, the outskirts of the road or a dashed yellow middle line which would be other indicators of a paved road. 
Yeah. One trick that I've found for gravel and this, I mean, again, this kind of a lot of my route building is in Texas, but what I've found is in city centers or I mean, if it's a small rural area, it'll be paved, but then it'll quickly go to uh, gravel. So if you're just if you're like, OK, well, this route, if I want to know if this long section is gravel, I just kind of start in the if there is a city center or somewhere more populated and like look there and look for a road transition um, where you can kind of see those pop up right yeah and then the other the more most prominent tool we like to do is so we have street view this is a little street view guy i like to click and drag him and i kind of just hold him up just hold him here and what this does is we will highlight all of the roads that google has recorded street view on and the ones that are not recorded they have not driven on him they have not street view and a Decent general rule of thumb is the ones they have not street view generally tend to be unpaved roads. And so this is certainly a case. So if I street view here, this is a highway, you know, it's paved, it's street view available. Um, but the one we were looking at on here earlier, there's nothing there. Google did not drive that. They're inching into getting more unpaved and gravel roads, but for the most part, there's just like you know, street view every paved road, you know, in the universal expanse of time and steer <laughs> clear of the gravel and dirt and off-road type stuff. Um, yeah, and that that's rule a good still tip. kind of, yeah, and so that still kind of uh, stands true here. Um, and if you want, you know, at kind of these pinch points, if you will, it's like, okay, I can, let's street view this and see what's up. It's like, yeah. eh, kind of, you know, oh, there's a cattle guard. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, to me, it's like, oh, okay, that is a big transition to gravel right there. Big giveaway. So you can always kind of uh, do these little offshoots here. Or, you know, if you're on a street view available road and all these little offshoots aren't street view available, drop your little man right at the intersection and check it out. Right. Um, and this one's actually kind of cool. I just noticed you can actually see the sign. So Deschutes River Road Access, dead end 17 miles. Still, that you know, more you know, information telling me to this is not something that somebody's maintaining on a you know 365 basis for sure. Now, what about uh public and private land? Nothing yet, we're exploring that. It's easy to uh, or not easy to, I should say. Um, you know, there are very general private public like forest service versus BLM type overlays that may not have, you know, the most up-to-date information that we could do or that, that we could have. Um, and then there's other, you know, very robust, you know, it's like, okay, private land, forest service land, sure. But there's still, if you really zoomed in and if anybody zoomed in at private public lands overlays, you know, there's a lot more, information once you start zooming in it's like okay zoomed out this looks like it's all forest service land or whatever but then when you zoom in it's like oh this is bob's yeah land or whatever um, yeah there's so a lot of private in holdings that you have to be aware of right right yeah and it you know so we're looking at that um you know whenever we this sort of issue you know is definitely you know more prominent i would say over here here in the states you know, and we, when whenever we do things, we think, you know, we have to think on kind of like a global scale. Um, you know, it's like, do we, we're going to invest tons and tons of time in this thing 
that's very important to a very small piece of our community or a small piece of our geographic community that isn't applicable or even relatable to everyone else. So, you know, all these little, you know, kind of nuanced things that we have to juggle. Not to say that public private lands is something that's small and nuanced and wouldn't be a benefit to, you know, a, you know, a lot of people. It's certainly not to a tiny, tiny swath of people. But so uh, what, uh, you know, what I do for in Texas, I've mentioned this many times, but it's like 3% public land and 97% private. But, you know, where we are, there's about 50 minutes away, we have the Sam Houston National Forest. And that's a perfect example of where there's tons of private land inside the National Forest. And one thing that I come across, not super often, but I do come across it where I'm routed onto and through private land. One way that I've like addressed that at home from my desktop is I do what you were just talking about is zoom into uh, the Google Street View and look for fences, you know, on the main roads, right. when you're turning off onto one of these roads, it, <clears throat> is there a fence? Um, is there no trespassing sign? That kind of thing. Um, are there, Do you have any other tips for... Yeah, I mean, nothing like super concrete. We found instances where you'll see, you know, this is totally a shot in the dark here, but... You know, I look at, you know, someplace where there's heat, lots of heat, and then suddenly the heat is gone. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, you know, if, if it's on something that has street view, I could street view that and you would see something like a no trespassing sign or a private property sign. Or, you know, out, out here with lots of, you know, government's owned land, it's a gate. There's gates everywhere here. And so that will, you know, be it's like, oh, okay, I'll look at the heat. And if there's a sharp drop off in the heat then uh, that's probably something I should maybe steer clear of. Yeah. So the heat maps, again, are just critical for route building. I mean, if you're you know if you going along a major road and you see, you know, uh, it's taking you on somewhere where no one has been before or very few people have been, uh, that, that might be a good indicator. And yeah. maybe look at it a little closer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Before you um, find yourself trespassing. Yeah, and this is an interesting one where OSM actually shows the road not going through. Um, mm. Whereas if we toggle back to yes, Google, Matt, Google didn't have anything. But no, it was the there. heat. The heat, the heat is map. there. The heat wow. is there. And this is also, you know, right week. So let's schedule <laughs> episode two on you know crazy map stuff. Yeah, uh, because that's you know, what happens whenever you open the maps. You're like, wait, what's going on here? Oh, wait. Right. So there's not a road, but there's heat map. So now right. I'm curious. Now I'm, now I'm really curious. <laughs> so, right. So to, you know, I would say, okay, well, let's solve your curiosity. I would go to satellite or hybrid. Something's there. Yep. So. Um, I bet that's a. Oh. So knowing Sam Houston National Forest. My guess is that there's a gate there where Probably they don't permit permit vehicles, but right. cyclists and hikers and stuff can still get through. That's exactly what it looks like. Obviously, we don't have street view in the national yeah. forest. Yeah, and you can even see it's like paved up until there, right? And sure. It, yeah. 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 So yeah. So that's interesting. That's a good way to find out. Uh, but again, heat maps are just so cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's Another, really, yeah this see. is completely random, but a, just a tip on heat maps. Anytime you zoom out and you see like squiggly lines, that's single track. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's a good yeah. one. Like, where are all the mountain bike trails in an area? Just zoom right. out a little bit. And anytime you see condensed squiggly lines, that's your single track. And it's, yeah, heat map, heat maps were a fascinating thing that took months and months and months and months to develop before we could even get to the design. It's a lot of math um actually that's involved to you know it's not a one-to-one the heat's not a one-to-one thing if if, if, if all the heat was one-to-one houston even though it's zoomed out right now would look like it was on fire and you wouldn't see anything else you know you would have roads that had you know tens of thousands of trips on them that would just blur out everything else so at various zoom levels we are kind of adjusting the heat to, according to your view and everything's broken out in tiles. I'll try to keep this short because we're getting into the nerdy stuff, but everything's broken out into a tile. So here, you know, imagine there's a square that is a map tile. And so we have heat data associated with that map tile. We then look, you know, there are eight perimeter tiles around a single tile. So if this was a tile, there'd be, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tiles. And we'll take the heat from those tiles and factor that into the heat in the middle tile. Because if we didn't, this little road right here, you'd never see that because if everything was one-to-one, you would only see like this super duper data intensive right. um, roads. So, but it's like, well, and especially with, you know, what we're talking about, it's like, well, I want to see those obscure trips out in the middle of nowhere. And if yeah. everything was one-to-one, you would never find that because something that had five trips on it would never show because we were just, you know, there's other things that have 10,000 trips on it or whatever. Um, yeah. That's, so that's kind of a little more, yeah. Kind of background on the, on the heat stuff. It's uh smarter than we are, but we're grateful that it works. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, yes. Grateful that there are smarter people than me. We are working on this. Kudos to Dan here for working on this. Go paper. Dan. Go I really Dan. like Dan because Dan's I love, great. I love my heat maps. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm ready to build a route. What do you think? Do you want to, uh, actually, but yeah, before, can I show surface type? Yes. Okay. Just, I've mentioned surface type for a long time that it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And yes, it is it is finally coming. I even asked Zach, I was like, can I show this on the episode? Um, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. So this is hot fire breaking news. Uh, we've told people it's, well, we've told people it's coming. But nobody's ever seen it? Well, no, yeah, nobody's ever seen it. It's not implemented yet. And I'm sure there's probably a couple of listeners who are rolling their eyes right now and being like, I've heard this Kevin guy talk about <laughs> surface type before. All right, yeah, we're going to yeah. see it with our own eyes, though. But, so um, what do we got? Yeah. And this is just, you know, kind of the <clears throat> designs that we're working on where um, we'll have surface type information integrated into both the route line and the elevation profile. Um, so what we're using right now is we have access, you know, we license OSM, we get their data and they have surface type data. So the big, uh, the big challenge was, uh, one, taking all of their various classifications of surface type and funneling them down into some consumable categories. So paved, gravel, dirt, unknown. Um, so for us, it was like, well, what is a class two dirt high you know there's all these like obscure things it's like well, i don't is that dirt is it gravel <laughs> is it unpaved like what are all these things yeah um, 
So, you know, spend some time kind of getting those into what we feel are appropriate categories and then assigning them kind of a design and, um, and a look and a feel. So um, we've got paved gravel, dirt, unknown. And, and this will happen automatically as you yes, create a correct. route. It'll start yep. segmenting it into this, yep. you know, okay. Correct. And, and, yeah. and let me make sure I understood this correctly as well. So on your elevation profile, it's going to show you yeah, um, so what type of surface that elevation is on. Yeah. So, let's so if go. you're like climbing a, a hill, you'll be able to say, okay, that's a gravel hill climb versus a paved hill climb, theoretically. Right. So here we are on a big, super duper route, Gorge Backcountry by our good friend Gabe. Um, so we will list the percentages over here of the oh, route. Yeah. And we have little you know, designs associated with them. <laughs> so here you can see right here, dash, dash. Um, um, right. Yeah. So you will actually be able to see when, you know, viewing a route and when using the route planner. Um, okay. Know, where that's those, cool. Where those sections are. Because whenever. Well, I'm doing my uh, East Texas showdown, this uh, race uh, that I'm putting on this October, and uh, everybody wants to know pavement versus gravel. And so I did the street view, I, and I did the select tool, and I selected every section of pavement and turned it to black. <sighs> And then I went through and like calculated all the miles and it turned out to be exactly 50 to 50, but I mean, it took me a while to like go through and yes. do all that. So this would yeah. be pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I wish I could give you that time back. Uh, oh, so, no. <laughs> yeah. Here in one to two months, um, you'll go from spending considerable amount of time to spending zero amount of time because it will be all right yeah. in front of you. Just I really like plan. the integration to the elevation as well and, and incorporating the surface type into the elevation. Kudos yeah. on that. That's a great, great idea. Yeah. And there'll be more information here as I kind of zoom in and do things, but you'll be able to kind of make, you know, it's like, okay, well, I selected this section of the surface type, the different surface type. And then just like making a selection of the elevation profile, we give you stats um, we'll actually give you a surface type stat box. Here. Right. So here's your asphalt, but here's also, you know, your grade, um, how much it is and elevation stuff. So it's I am, so cool. you know, Rywood GPS is making the outdoors so freaking accessible, man. You know, I mean, uh, we're taking away all the barriers to entry. It, it feels like, I mean, you know, you got your fitness, you got your equipment, but actually being able to put together a route, put together an adventure wherever you're going and have really good data to go off of is pretty sweet. We like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you want to show them how we, uh, you want to fire the bad boy up and show yeah, them how we you can do that. Um, so, you know, I think what I want to do for the first example is Let's say that you're going into an area. I mean, you can use someone local to you, but I mean, let's say someone's going into an area for the first time. What are the steps to building a route? I, I want to, I'll share what I do real quick. And then I want to hear what you, what, what you recommend. But, you know, if I'm going to an area for the first time, a lot of times the first thing that I will do is go to bikepacking.com, uh, especially, you know, especially if I'm doing a bikepacking trip, which is the majority of my audience. I mean, that's what they're looking to do. Bikepacking.com is obviously a great resource. They've yep. done a lot of the work. Um, a lot of the riders have done great work finding the POIs, all that stuff. And you can take, they 
use Ride With GPS so you can take the right route file directly off of bikepacking.com, import it into Ride With GPS, and then from there you can manipulate uh, those routes if you want to. Um, and the other thing that I use is y'all search for routes where you can search any public routes that anybody's ridden in an area. You can search those. So um, that's how I approach. If I'm going to a new area, that's my first two steps. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's a great, you know, those are two great steps that could kind of, I would, you know, I would probably personally, it depends on what I'm doing, you know, is there, do I have a goal in my, did I pre-plan something or did I show up somewhere? Yeah. Uh, In this scenario, so we're going to do a just showed up scenario later. This one is, you know, from, for me, a lot of the fun in an adventure is planning it from home. And there's a saying that, you know, adventure starts when things go wrong, um, but there's no reason to make it harder on yourself. And we do have a lot of great tools. And so I'll spend a considerable amount of time, you know, building routes, looking at other routes, looking at other rides and, and, and creating it. I think, you know, what I want to share with people is, is I think that's the time to do your planning, you know, sit at home, pull up your desktop and, and, and create a route based on your own physicality, your time limit, you know, how far you want to ride, whatever you're trying to do, you know, but, uh, yeah, so that that's the example I want to I want to show here is is uh, you're sitting at home, you got some time, and you want to build a route in a new area. Yeah, and I would say, yeah, you know, for for you know maybe particularly this audience, yeah, bikepacking.com is obviously a fantastic resource. Um, I personally like their S twenty four O map, their overnighters map. Um, that's what I have time for. That's what I'm interested in. Um, I'm really excited for them to continue building that out and continue getting submissions, um, you know, for, you know, I, I would love it if there was, you know, a cool overnighter in every town and every city in the world. Um, yeah. We have a fine page, plenty of stuff on there. Um, you can search zillions and trillions of routes and rides. Uh, we have a nice ambassador directory. Um, so if I were just to, you know, search somewhere, this is a Portland search, you know, we have area ambassadors where we funnel their routes up to the top. These are kind of vetted. So if I just search Portland with 50 miles, um, it's like, okay, here is 530,000 results. <laughs> right. That's no good. That sucks. Um, so it's like, Tells oh, you a well, lot have, of people are using your uh, service. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. But for a consumer who's right, looking to do right, something yeah. or find something, it's like, no, 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 no. That's too much. Tent. Give me 10, give me 12, give me whatever. And you can yeah. refine your, you can refine, you know, your search as you please. Um, but we'll funnel these area ambassadors routes up to the top. We know that they're vetted, they're good. They've been created by someone who's kind of a stakeholder in their community. Um, so to us, like, well, we, so much, de- if, if, if ambassador route falls in the search criteria, we should definitely make sure, you know, the user finds that first or sees that first, or at least has the opportunity to uh, find that. And then we also have kind of the directory of this as well with the map. Um, so these are all routes that your ambassadors have right, uh, area created. Ambassadors have yeah. put together. Yeah. So, um, and I can kind of click around on the map um, and we give kind of a breakdown to Oregon Stampede. So okay. these are, you know, the ambassador routes have a, 
They have more photos, more prominent photos. They have detailed information over here. Points of interest, lots of routes have points of interest. Um, I can go to standard routes. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more, you know, so what I what I find, like, if you're going to use the find feature, there's going to be a lot of just rides from people that don't have pictures, don't have any information. It's just rides that they uploaded. But yeah, the ambassador ride routes, there's pictures, there's POIs, there's descriptions, there's all that. There's all that um, extra information that's going to be more helpful to build a route or, you know, a good starting right. point. Right. So if you see something you like and you're maybe not ready to plan sprinkle throughout the website. Um, we have, you know, a number of different options. I would say pinning is great. This adds it to your pinned list. You didn't make a copy of it. Um, you didn't do anything. This just like puts it in your pinned list as a reminder. So you can easily find it later on your homepage. You have a pinned list of routes and rides. And in the mobile app, you have a, a list of pinned routes and rides. So maybe you want, you know, it's like, uh, maybe I'm just dinking around right now, but I know I'm going to want to do some heavy editing and planning this weekend. Maybe I got really far down like a search rabbit hole and uh, I just found this obscure thing that maybe I want to use later or whatever. Let's, you know, just pin it and then you can find it, you know, in a matter of seconds later. Yeah. Um, if you are into the planning mindset, we have a nice feature that is just the open in route planner direct option. Um, so Boom. this gives me the exact thing. I'm in my account. This gives me everything. And now I can start, you know, you know, you could either, you could not do any editing to this, um, or you could in fact, uh, load it in and then do your, do your thing. Yeah. Um, so some things to do on this one would be potentially, you might want to go different distances per day and find different campsites. Um, right. Yeah, you know. exactly. Um, so a good one would be to kind of, you know, maybe we're start. Maybe we're starting from somewhere else. Ooh, and there's water, so we could look at doing a bike pack rafting oh, trip. Oh yes, incorporate should, some water yeah, too. We can definitely get to some. Uh, yeah. Definitely get to some back rafting stuff. So, um, got our uh, got our start here, but maybe we are not. Uh, maybe this isn't where we're starting. You know, maybe we're maybe we're in the Dalles or whatever. So I would use the elevation profile over here, and you can kind of see the blue dot follows. The point on the elevation on the route, you know, corresponds to the elevation profile. So I'd come over here and click and hold and drag and select. And then we give you some selection tools over here. So I'd click delete selection. Um, and now that moves my start marker over here. So to kind of quickly touch on control points, um, control points are these little white dots. Every time you click on the map to create a piece of route, you drop a control point. You can also add these or remove these to help you uh, manipulate your route. So um, this one's actually placed pretty good here. So I can, uh, you know, remove that if I wanted to. And now what I can do is grab the start and I can kind of drag it around. And you can see, you know, the black line is the new proposed route or whatever. But I could use control points to lock off everything. So you saw, you know, I can do this, I can do this. And now if I'm like moving the route line, this is affecting everything in between the start icon and this next control point here. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't want that. I just want to move the start. So what I'll do is I'll add a control point here. And what I did is I locked off the rest of the route from being manipulated when I do drag and drop. So now I can grab the start icon and I can drag it. I could literally drag it across the ocean if I wanted to, and it wouldn't affect anything past that little control point. So I want to, I can drag it all the way over here to the Dow's. Um, and maybe, you know, it's like, well, maybe I didn't want to do that. Uh, maybe I wanted to go on this McCoy road, so I can add one there. I can drag it into here. Uh, maybe this isn't where I wanted to 
go, uh, maybe this isn't how I wanted to get out of the town. So I can do like that. And if you, you know, mess anything up, you can always come up and undo, 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 undo. <laughs> now yeah, that, un- where... <clears throat> that undo button has saved me many a times. <laughs> yes. Yes. Everyone's oh, well, e- Every once in a while I'll get a little crazy and I'll click where I'm not supposed to. And all of a sudden it adds 150 miles on the route. You're like, Whoa, what did I do? No, 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 no. Get back yeah. here. Undo. Um, Undo is your friend. Yep. (laughs) Additionally, I can, you can click add new and you can start planning a different route. I like this. Now this is a great feature here. Yeah. So what this does is gray out the route that was there. Right. And now I can just click, um, once I'm back to add on routes. See, I think you use that in conjunction with the heat maps you know, so you take the route that they have, right. turn on the heat maps, and now you're like, if you're saying, okay, how to get there, for example, or, you know, what else might be cool? You know, like, I'll just give an example. Like, I was looking at a Texas route recently that's that's published, and uh, I saw it was really close to this cool campsite, but it wasn't on it. And so I, I got on, I took the route, and I started playing around with it. I'm like, oh, you can easily make this a three-day route and mm-hmm. incorporate this other campsite. And that's what I did. You just do that overlay, bring in an bring in another one and yeah so if i really wanted to kind of go rogue then i can just use this as kind of a guide and you know this was our original trace feature which was i could just use this as a trace you know kind of a stencil um and then if i wanted to go off of it i could go away from it or if i just wanted to follow it along i could follow it on the whole time or i can use this and this is how i kind of use it is um, I like to plan my own route, and I just kind of like to plan it over to where I want to join up with the route. So I'm right next to this. I can toggle back here. Now we're going to go back and do what I had previously done, where I select this. Um, I click Delete Selection. I switch back to this. And every time there's a grayed out route, the green dot acts as the start marker for the other route. So I can just, whoops. <laughs> click undo and actually undo. get in there. <laughs> See how right. that happens? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then really get in there and join everything up. And now I've got my new start points and my new, you know, I cut this out and now I'm starting from my hotel or my other campsite. Can you just there. drag the uh, the dead end, the end point to the start point? Uh, the, the end of the route? Yeah. Yeah, I sure could. Um, it's interesting. It doesn't say in, does it? No, we just kind of, it'll show the endpoint if you're in the route view. So oh, where, if you're viewing okay. the route, but, um, this, we want, but you, an editor. We want you to have, right. We want you to have a no. control point because that gives you tools. Makes um, sense. So, and this is kind of cool where it's like, oh, dang, that POI was in my way. You can drag these. This is kind of new as of a couple of years ago. You can drag it away and then you can drag it back, uh, when you're ready to go. Um, so yeah, I can do this all the way over here. Um, so how show, um, how to create a POI real basic, real basic. Uh, you led me right to it. Right click menu. You have the option to drop a POI over here, click anywhere on the map. Uh, Hey bar, uh, select something. Uh, you can add in a URL, a description, photos, whatever you want, save. There it is. You can drag it around wherever you want, and then you can delete it. Um, perhaps the easier and a way to get more access is 
last May, we introduced the right-click menu. So I can simply right-click anywhere and I can get a number of options. So I can right-click, add POI, and now I can select my bar or whatever icon. You go straight well. to the bar every time. You like no well, word. Well, <laughs> we're in Portland. Unfortunately, there's not a bar here in the middle of the river. Um, but Someone uh, should should create one. Should do it, yeah. The right-click menu is great. Um, you know, if I'm on the route itself, I get a number of other options. And one, show street view. This really helps you refine your street view capabilities here. Because if I'm, let's say I'm kind of zoomed out here planning and I drag, get my little man, you know, it's like, you know, where exactly am I street viewing here? You know, it's not kind of precise unless I really zoom in on mm -hmm. it. But I really want to do it right here, I can just right click and now I can see this little hairpin turn. Oh man, dude, that is so handy. I can't tell you how many times I've like, you like street view to a general area and then you go up and down the road actually looking for the road that you're trying to find or the the feature or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's great. I don't know how we, this was, this was Zach's idea was the right click menu. I don't know how we survived this long without, without the right click. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, and there's I... tons, tons of great, you know, information where, you know, what we found a lot of folks like to do is, you know, uh, they'll find a location and this is actually good here. Let's go to map where, you know, they'll find a location that they're interested in. Here's the Beaver campground. They'll right click, show latitude, longitude, copy that, right click, add a POI, and then uh, I can paste in the latitude longitude. And so in a matter of seconds, now I have my visual indicator and I also have you know coordinates that I can use somewhere else or um, use to be like, send to someone, hey, this is exactly where I'm going to be camping yeah. <clears throat> this night. Not like, hey, I'm going to be at Beavertail Recreation site. Be like, well, where is that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but if you send me these coordinates, I can you know, pinpoint that spot exactly. Now, what about, there's a feature I know you were telling me about that allows you to view, um, man, you can you view images from rides that... Uh, Right, what GPS members used or uploaded, but then you uh, can also see like Google photos and stuff. Too. Yes, yeah, and this is kind of I was using this area, uh, and this is kind of personal or to me where like I can't do the whole Oregon Stampede route in a day. Um, I certainly know a lot of people who can, um, but I would be looking to camp halfway through. That's how I roll. Um, so you know, they've provided camping stuff here for me. Uh, but maybe that's not what I want. And I'm kind of panning the map around and I see, oh, beaver tail campground. That looks super cool. So I can kind of zoom in. Um, I can change to satellite if I want. It's like, well, I, I see some heat there. So somebody must have gone there. Um, and this looks like a fair amount of people have gone there. But uh, if I drag my little man, I don't get any street view, but there is a little blue circle here called mm. Google Photos. And then there's another one over here. Um, I'll actually go back to maps of these kind of are more clear to show and what they look like. Um, but yeah, you can see these little circles. We can street view these as well. So I can drop this and lo and behold, I can actually see what this campsite looks like. Wow. It's like, oh, okay. It, now you definitely want to stay there. 
Now I definitely want to stay in either fire pit and two picnic tables. And I'm on probably the coolest river in the entire state. I see now trees for my hammocks. That's always I something see, I'm yeah, looking for. Yeah, so. exactly. So what I would do is come over here, find my little spot in the elevation profile. I would make a selection. I would delete this selection. Go into add route. Um, so what this does is this breaks it into two sections, the front section and the half section. And I still have the back section here at the little start. So now I can plan my route over to the campground. Right click, add POI, and camping, beaver tail. Do I still have it there? I do, <laughs> save, perfect. And now I can just plan back and then I can tap. Oh, now I got a new camp spot. Um, and let's, you had mentioned pack rafting, bike rafting. Yeah, let's, cause there's a draw the line, biking. draw yeah. the line feature, which is just useful mm -hmm. if you're bike rafting, if you're on single track, sometimes, uh, you can, there's single track that I found where it'll, it'll route it. Um, sometimes it won't, most of the times it won't, I find. And, uh, and, and also I've seen places where I know that there's a, a, a bike path or I know that there's, you know, a way to get across this interstate. Um, but the GPS may not know it. And so you can draw a line. I mean, there's lots of feet, fun, uh, lots of reasons to have a draw your line, but. Right. Um, yeah. So draw your line, draw lines. You can. So let's get rid of this. So let's say you wanted to bike to this point in the distance. Yeah, that's a perfect. Yeah, you bike the first home. and you raft home. Boom. Right. So I'm gonna delete that. So I went on bike one bike rafting trip. So now I'm an expert, man. Now yeah. it's all bike rafting. <laughs> and I've I've never been, so I'm a perfect. I'm an expert route planner for that type of stuff. Boom. <laughs> uh, draw lines. Yes. Yeah, so you can uh, draw lines. You can drag and drop with draw lines. Um, or draw lines allows you to click. So I can simply click, I can manipulate. This one's going to be a little obscure because it's so curvy. There's a bunch, you know, there's a bunch of turns as opposed to just like a straight shot, but you get the idea of, but here's the thing while you're, while you're doing this, you know, what I'm thinking, I have it in a uh, satellite when I'm doing this. And I'm also looking for cool things along the way, maybe a campsite along the way. So yeah, it's a, maybe a little bit labor intensive to, to click, click, click. But I always liked like right there. Right. What is yeah, that? I, you know, it know. looks like, oh, well that's, oh, that's a trail versus going on the river. Okay. That's what right. That so there's a bridge going over, but I know somewhere here is, well, I guess you wouldn't be pack rafting white river falls, but you know, you could use this satellite mode. It's like, do I want to do, do I want to go over the giant waterfall or do I want to go the other way? Yeah. You know, you can, <laughs> and this actually, we can get into the weeds here. Let's yeah. do it. Let's go. Um, so I'm planning, I'm planning, I'm planning. Um, all right. What looks better over here? Let's go. Uh, I think left looks good. It's a little more wider, probably not fast mm -hmm. as flowing as fast flowing. Right. And this is, this is a fast flowing river, but this is good. Okay. We've got our stuff. So now what would I do? I would oh, here oh I know. You do a queue. You do a queue. Yeah. So right. So as you as you use like the regular standard at a route, um, you we automatically generate turn by turn instructions for you. So you can kind of scroll over here and see these. Um, but if you're using draw lines, we're not going to have any of that. But anywhere you can on the route, you can add custom queues. So I would click custom queue, and then I would add in a queue here. 
uh, you can select a number of different options. So I would add stay left at the fork. Save and your if life. You wanted to, right. If you wanted to get really crazy, you could say danger and call this danger. Yeah. Um, and save. So now we have stay left at the fork. Um, so if you were to do all this, save it, navigate it, um, let's say you're navigating it with our mobile app, um, our voice navigation would read this cue aloud to you. So, you know, you, it doesn't just have to be road instructions. You can add a cue in and have it say anything in the world. Um, and you can even, actually, I forgot, you could right click. Um, so I'm going to add a custom cue. Um, this, you know, there is danger coming up, waterfall, pull out or make sure you stay left, whatever. Um, tour operators use this function to, uh, on the routes that their guests go on, they put, you know, paragraphs of information for an audio tour. So historical context or attractions that are coming up and stuff like that. Um, our app will use text to speech and read whatever you put there. So, and I guess it's another good point with the, the mobile app and navigation, uh, you know, will give you a quarter mile notification before this queue. So we'll notify you that something is coming up. And if you put, you know, important things in there, you'll get a quarter mile notification. And then as you get up there, we will actually give you that notification. So we'll give you plenty of opportunity to know that this is coming up. And we also have metrics in the app, which we hopefully get to the mobile app as we're uh, doing, <coughs> running on time. Um, you can get, you know, we'll give you an estimated time to a queue. We'll give you estimated time to your destination. We'll also give you an estimated time to queue. So you can see a countdown until you get to this spot. So we'll give you just so much, you know, so many ways to get, you know, as much information as you want while you are out there. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's based on real time data. That's not an estimated time. guess. No. It's, it's, you're traveling this fast and it's updating it in real time. Correct. So um, right here, you know, we're planning this route seven hours, 14 minutes. This is using your ride, historical ride data to give you an estimated time. Mine's really slow because of the last year and a half, I've been mostly running. So I'm running very slowly. And so it thinks that I'm very slow. Right. <laughs> but once you launch navigation, a couple minutes after, we start constantly updating the estimated time with your in-ride navigation metrics or heuristics that we call it. So um, if you are riding, let's say you're doing this exact route, and you're riding your bike along, uh, we'll give you an estimated time about based on your ride stats of that current ride. Now, let's say you hop off and you jump in a raft, and now you start going three miles an hour, you'll start to see your estimated time to arrival expand into the future because you're now going slower and your estimated ride time you know, is going to be much later than if you were riding a bicycle, you're now going three miles an hour, and we're going to reflect that. Yeah. And then, and all of, you know, the estimated time to arrival and estimated time to queue will all be reflective of that. And it's wildly accurate. Yeah. Uh, within, that's super cool. We'll be out, we'll be out for hours and hours on a ride and we'll get back generally within like seven minutes, five to seven minutes of the, of the estimated time. 
Yeah, I mean, you can think of hundreds of reasons why that would be nice. Uh, you know, if you're running short on time, daylight, need to make by a campsite at a certain time, I mean, or a restaurant before it closed. I mean, there's just so many times. And, you know, w- one way we use this is recreationally, but also, I mean, um, athletes are using these when they're on, you know, big adventures and then they're sleep deprived and having that kind of information, knowing, am I going to get to that town before everything closes is you can, you can just see how I, how that would be important. It's like, okay, am I making a big push right now to get to that restaurant before it closes? Or am I just going to sleep and get my rest now and maybe hit it in the morning or whatever? You know I mean? That's- yeah. Right. Yeah. And in that mobile app, when you're navigating, you can use the elevation profile, what we call scrubbing it and you can scrub it. So exactly what you said, you could be at the base of a climb navigating and you could drag the elevation profile over to the top of that climb and see how long it's estimated for you to get to the top of that peak. So well, let's, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. If you want to hop over to mobile, we can yeah. certainly do that. I think, I mean, I think that's a great overview of, you know, I mean, we covered a lot uh, of, of what you can do from a desktop perspective. So now that we've, you know, quote unquote, created a route, we have something we're happy with, you know, I think we switch over to mobile. And I think, you know, going over some of the features of mobile and then also, um, you know, if you were to show up in a new area and, and have uh, the heat maps and want to create a route that way. I mean, yeah, okay. I'll let you switch over. All right, everybody, we are on mobile now. Mm-hmm. Isn't technology cool? This is so awesome. One question I have about mobile is your ability to um, use routes offline and manipulate them offline? It's a great question. Um, And something that's mostly what you asked for, not currently available, but something that we're working towards. Um, So right now, if you wanted to edit an existing route or plan an existing route, you could do it offline but you wouldn't be able to save it and then use it. You would need a cell connection for okay. that or a Wi-Fi connection. Okay. Um, what we're working towards is more robust offline capabilities to where you can download an area for offline use and not necessarily need a route in that area. You could just download all these tasks and then you'd be able to plan inside of those, inside right. of that area, whether you had service or not. So when you downloaded yeah. that area, you would also download you know, directions in that area, routing related information in that area, and then could do anything you wanted without it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've seen that before, I think, where you you just download the the seg- the section of map that you need and right. you have all all the functionality there. So what you have right now is on your mo on your desktop um, or you know, from Wi-Fi at home, you can create routes on your desktop or mobile, and then they're available. Uh, you download them and then they're available on your device, whether you have service or not. Correct. Yeah, I plan or I find, um, you know, here's so when, a little bit earlier, we were looking at the Oregon Stampede route and I pinned it. And here I am in the mobile app. It's right at the top of my pinned list in my library. I can select my little three dot menu and I can click navigate or download right away. Or I can select the routes and get more information here. I can, you know, look at a bunch of stuff. There's the photos, click little button, 
And uh, yeah, you whenever know, you uh, sc- expand the bottom elevation there, you can also zoom in on it. And uh, which yeah, I find you can use your little two fingers and yeah. get really fine tuned in there. That's helpful because oftentimes, especially on mobile, when you see that climb, you're like, "Woo!" And but if yeah. you zoom it out, you know, it's, yeah, if you just <laughs> flatten everything out, it's, it works out. It works out in the field. Like, oh, that's Certainly. nothing. Um, and then you can click download um, and download, and then we'll say downloading, and you'll have an offline spot. And here I am. Uh, the app is downloading the map right. tiles, the route line, and all of the you know points of interest and everything. Yeah. So that's a critical point for anyone creating a route is to make sure you offline it before you get out and about. Yeah. Because yeah. that'll allow you, I mean, otherwise, right, you would need a cell phone service to be able to use the route. And what we talked about doing, especially if you're using your phone, is is switching to an airplane mode and 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 still having that capability. Yeah. This is do all your stuff, download it for offline use, and then before you even leave, put your phone in airplane mode and you'll still get the full experience yeah. um, in airplane mode. All um, right, so we're in mobile and we're in mobile. we've created a route and now we're riding the route. Right, so this is actually what you did whenever you, because we're using your example. Okay. Um, so again, this is, you know, this is just something that we have. So we'll like plan a route that we've, done a ride on before, and then we can do both of them um, at the same time to simulate stuff. Um, in this case, we're using your Sam Houston yeah. uh, route, your gravel ride, and these are your actual metrics. So oh, look at me going. I got it to 12 miles an hour. 12 and, oh. Right. <laughs> um, so let's see. First thing uh, you can do, uh, you see these are, you have two different metric screens down here. Um, if you long press one of them, um, we've got a bunch of other metrics that you can select here. Oh, I didn't so, know that. So you can uh, customize your dashboard yeah, for the information so, you want. Wow. Yeah. So oftentimes what we'll see are people will have like a, they'll have a metrics side. Um, so over here, it's like, okay, I can have heart rate. Uh, I can have, you know, my moving time i can have my i'm probably like average i can have my average moving speed i can have all these you know stats metrics related things and then over here i can have all my navigation metrics i can have my speed and my distance and if i want my duration but here estimated time i can also have estimated time um, to my arrival um, I can select uh, estimated time to queue. Um, uh, so we will show your spot on the elevation profile um, as you ride along exactly where it is. So we'll go over. There you are going along. We can You can tap the elevation profile and uh, get metrics on the specific part. We can also give you estimated time. So here to get to this spot, you're estimated to be there in 21 minutes and 49 seconds and counting down. Oh, interesting. So even if you just, uh, yeah, you just, because you essentially say, okay, how long before I get to that downhill or how long before I get to the top exactly. of that climb or whatever. And it's exactly. giving you that estimated time of arrival in real yes. time. Yes, correct. Wow. Hey, this is a really great app y'all got here, Kevin. Hey, thanks. Um, <laughs> and it's good, you know, the, you know, we just got in the scenario 
this is what we do on a daily basis and wish we did better of. It's like, you didn't know that you could long press metrics and select different metrics. It's like, yeah. ah, like, you know, it's those are the types like, how do we, we have so much information and so many tools and so many options and so much value, but it's so hard to like consolidate a million things down into two buttons yeah, uh, or four buttons and then let you access, you know, 50 tools, but we still need to give you the biggest map screen that we possibly can. Um, a question right about here. cues. Yes. So that cue on this one is my first right turn there. And so when we create routes, cues are automatically generated for turns. Yes. My question is, are they automatically generated for POIs as well? No, they are not. Okay. And, uh, I'm so that would be something where if somebody wanted to, they could add a cue for that. But They'd add a queue and then they, yes, they could add a point of interest as well if they wanted a visual notification. And then if you're just riding along and you're like, well, your campsite, you go to your elevation, you could push it and it's going to give you an ETA that way as well. Or you got your lunch. So you, how long till we get to lunch there? Right. Exactly. So let's see, you're going this way. Let's go. Yeah, we're going right. We're going to that one on the northeast. Going right. So we'll expand, we'll click. So there we go. So here's our lunch spot. Uh, hour and 10 minutes to lunch. Oh, good. Good. Because I'm getting hungry. I'm always hungry. That's <laughs> my biggest That's my biggest downfall is I burn too many calories. I can never, never keep, uh, never keep enough food on me. Um, now, what, what about, um, I mean, we know this route goes, but let's say that you come across, can you show us, um, you come to an area and you need to do a reroute or something like that. <laughs> oh, it's even on the computer screen too. Um, is that your lovely wife? That is my lovely wife. Uh, Ash, uh, Text yeah. her back and say, we're getting close or something. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be fine. I'll let okay. the end. I'll let her deal with the anticipation. Uh, uh, okay. So you said, what if I get to, yeah, private property. I don't know. Uh, a road is washed out. Road is washed out. Great. Okay. So you come to something and you got to do something. Um, you got to make some alternate arrangements. Great. So let's go back here. We have our Sam restaurant tour here. This is what we're navigating. All right. So what we did, so we clicked back. We were navigating the Sam Houston tour route. And so it's like, okay, we came to something where we need to make alternate plans. Great. Right. So I put the back button. Here I am at my route library. There's the Sam restaurant tour that I'm navigating. So I'll select it. I'll click the little menu button up here in the top right, and I'll click edit. So here's the route that we're currently navigating. Um, but I just loaded it into the route planner. So let's make some changes. So we have um, the tools option down at the bottom of the screen, just below the elevation profile. And this will give us uh, a number of different editing capabilities. I can change the various routing types. Um, if I wanted to add a new camp spot, I could click, hold, and drag a new camp spot up here. So I can drag a POI on there if I want. Um, I can edit it. I can move it by just dragging the map around, refining it, tap it. There's our new camp spot. Um, I also have a number of kind of change route options here. Won't get into those yet because I can zoom in on the route. And once you get in, we will 
carry over the control points from the route that was planned. Um, and this will give you ways to kind of manipulate it. So as you zoom in, there are all the control points. And, okay. Um, so I can tap a control point and I can delete that control point. I can actually route to there or I can move the control points and moving it. It's like, okay, well maybe we don't want to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe right there was the detour. maybe right there was the problem spot that we got to and we needed to take a detour around it. Um, so I'll tap the control point and I will drag it up there to farm to market road 946. And we'll show you the preview of the new proposed routing section. Yeah. And I will tap the map again and we just edited the route. Yeah. That was easy. That was very easy. Um, and now for time sake, what I'll do is I'll say that, um, okay, I'm done. That's all I needed to do. Uh, you know, that looks like Willow Springs road was the problem road. We needed to get around Willow Springs road. Um, and that was it. So we made a quick change. We added a new camp spot. Things are looking good. So I can click, uh, done and then finish. Uh, we'll give you the option of either saving the new route or actually not saving and just navigating right away. So maybe you're, you know, two, two scenarios here. One, maybe you're at lunch and you're actually planning the next day's route. So you're not editing the route that you're currently navigating. So you could just click save and then save your updated day two route. Right. Or you are in fact having an issue and you needed to get around something like we're doing here. I could do that. It's like, well, I don't, I just need to navigate this updated route. I don't need to save this new thing. So instead of just saving, you can uh, click navigate straight away and we'll drop you into the new route that is updated. One note on uh, that, well, my girlfriend just did a route and she didn't know if she recorded the data because she was like, no, I just navigated it. But just for people listening, when you hit navigate, right with GPS automatically starts recording the route that, that you're on. Correct. Yeah. And that's, yeah, a good, a good thing to point out. Yeah. You can just push the record button and record a ride. Uh, yeah. If you're on a router ride and you push navigate, we will start a recording because you know, we need your GPS location in order to give you elevation you know, you're responding to the elevation and, you know, all the net, all the cues and stuff like that. We need to know, you know, where you're at and what you're doing. So we are recording and we are also navigating you. Um, a lot of folks will just actually, um, you can have a route and you're viewing a route and I can just tap the show my location button. And uh, sometimes this can kind of be all you need. Maybe you don't need the voice navigation or there's some other scenario. You can just be viewing a route and then down at the bottom right, there is the tap my location and you'll see my location just showed up. Here I am sitting at the office. Um, we're not gonna be able to give you any navigational cues or anything like that, but you can always kind of see your current location in reference to the route. So here, this is a good view right here. Would you turn on uh, heat maps and show how good heat maps are, especially if you're going to just roll off the plane into Portland and you wanted to go on a bike ride, just right. want to get out and stretch your legs. Yeah. Turn on heat maps. You can see where you are. 
So, right, that is accessible down in the bottom left corner of the, of the map area. You'll see the map options button. And this will give you, you know, all of the available map options for you. So if you're navigating, you can have directional arrows on the route, distance markers. You can kind of turn POIs on and off. While you're riding, some routes are very robust with PYs and maybe they visually get in the way for you. Yeah. So you can turn them off and then you can turn them back on later if you want. Yeah. Uh, we'll show you the green little Q icons. Uh, if, there's, if you're in the city, you probably don't want that because there's going to be a lot of them. Uh, map scale and then the heat map there. So I can turn the heat map on. And let's say while I'm in here, I'm going to change the map type. So we have all these other map types here that you can select. And when you're done. I will click done and this will bring me back to you know the recording or navigating screen or when you're just viewing uh <coughs> doing the route and then that will load everything on um so you'll now see the you know abundance of heat here that we've yeah. loaded onto the map so here i am so the map. red red line there is actually your route just for a to no. point that out. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely the, right. The yeah. red, red line there, yeah, is the route that I was viewing. Yeah. And then all of the pinkish and bluish hues are the heat. Um, zoom and way in and right, you can see. Oh, wow. You can see people ride from Rywood. So you're at Rywood GPS headquarters right now. So you can yeah. tell that people are coming and going from there. <laughs> right. Which is kind of, which is actually something good to point out where we have... In the heat map data, we've obscured uh, pri privacy zones. So, you know, if this was, let's say this was my home, it was set as my home location, I had a privacy zone set around it, this swath wouldn't be showing. Um, you know, this is showing because, you know, yes, we there have been... Yeah, you don't mind people knowing that Brightwood GPS is here and people ride bikes in and out, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is because, you know, I don't have a privacy zone set up around my office and I've, you know, have probably a thousand rides that have ended or started here, um, as have a number of other, you know, obviously other employees where all, we all ride our bike into the office or we did prior to a year ago. But yeah, as you zoom in and zoom out, you get a more clear picture of the heat. Yeah, the there. privacy stuff, you know, I, I don't know how many people know this, but one thing I've heard is that um, thieves can use that. It's like, oh, you put a, post a picture of your $10,000 bike and, oh, you always start and stop from the same place. It's just, it's good. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why privacy can be important, but I've certainly set my, well, mine is all private, but before that, you know, I had a nice 10 mile or, or, couple mile radius set up around my home um just just for privacy no one needs yeah, to know where yeah. exactly where you live and be able to track you right. exactly a little tracking is okay right a little tracking. yeah little we're, tracking. we're all okay with a little track <laughs> i also just i have a cargo bike and i ride with my little girls and i like to take photos and for me the term digital diary sounds a little whatever um but that's kind of what it is for me um and I like the ability to go back and see my rides and see photos that I took and see pictures of myself, you know, me riding to cool places. No, I, I love that too. I mean, I, I like to go back and look at, and another feature of ride with GPS is when you take pictures, um, you can have a choice to automatically populate them to your route. Right. So there you go. Yeah, so if we have access to the photos um, and you take a photo with your camera app, um, right, there's exif data 
uh, which is latitude longitude coordinates with your photo and also a timestamp. So um, we will match up those timestamps and latitude longitude coordinates and yeah, show you a little icon where that photo uh, was taken exactly on your route, uh, which is cool. Oh, and I should probably also, for anybody that likes scouting or whatnot, uh, what I really love, it used to be that a photo was the only way you could drop a piece of kind of real-time information, have it saved to a spot. But under tools, add POI, you can actually add a POI as you ride. And there it is. Yeah. And when you save your ride, we'll save the POI to your ride. So you can actually save a ride that almost looks like a route. Uh, you know, if you're scouting something or you're out in the middle of nowhere and you find a some kind of cutty camp spot, you're like, ah, oh, there's no way I'm going to remember this for later, but this looks like a really yeah. cool spot. Just drop a quick POI, forget about it, save your ride, and boom, there it is for you later when your ride's uploaded. I really wish that we had this conversation before I created East Texas Showdown because, you know, it's 380 miles and it takes a long time to drive it and ride it and verify. And, you know, so what I was doing is taking like notes on a notepad, you know, like mile this, mile that. But then the problem is you move one of your control points and now the mileage is off. So now you only have like, you know, a, a basic reference area, but right. yeah, I didn't, I didn't know about that either. Yeah. To you, it's, we, this kind of was came out of you know, events, some event operators who go out and scout the routes and they do exactly what you were doing. Yeah. Be, like events like, Oh, like, I need to mark this intersection or whatever, but they're yeah, not going to Resources, stop. water, campsites, exactly. restaurants. I mean, roads that you absolutely should <laughs> never drive on. Right, uh, exactly. A dog, vicious. I mean, you know, my girlfriend actually um, got bit uh, pretty severely. First time I'd ever been with anyone, and it was on my route, of course, that she got bit. Um, but... Um, yeah. Anyway, so I put a I put a, a POI on that route. It's like, hey, we got a dog that's biting people. Um, you might want to be aware of that. Right. And this is a good where I was going with that. And then a dog is a better example. It's like, okay, well, a dog is coming at me. I'm not going to just stop right there and add a POI because <laughs> they're going to toast me. So I'm going to get away from the dog. Uh, add my POI at a safe spot. Tap this. Click move. And then I'm going to move it back over here. Be like. Okay, uh, there's where the dog is. That's the dog. That's the dog. <laughs> you um, do. You sit. should uh, add a an angry dog uh, uh, poi. <laughs> I'm, I know that barking dog icon that you're thinking of for sure. Yeah, yeah. What else, man? I mean, I think we've done a pretty good job of uh, you know running through desktop uh, functionality. Um, creating routes in the de desktop and then obviously switching over to the mobile. What what features did we not cover you think people need to know about? I mean, the route planner in mobile is pretty cool. It acts like the web route planner where you can just click and add and drag and drop. Um, I can tap, I can move, you can change colors, you can do all sorts of things. Um, get to the elevation profile. Uh, you can really do a lot with the mobile route player, and it's great out on the. You know, it's great while you're out on tour too. Like if you're, you know, in the middle of nowhere, but you're overnighting in places with service or whatever. You there's nothing you really can't do in the mobile app. You you know you don't need to bring a laptop with you. Yeah. Everywhere you go, you can do it from your phone. 
That's, I mean, that's super cool. And another reason to, uh, yeah, have, have it downloaded on your phone, uh, for the functionality that you do have within the application. I like what you, you know, oftentimes it doesn't matter how well you plan from home, uh, weather happens or you get a flat tire or mechanical and you're behind schedule, or maybe you're just bonking and you're tired, but I can't tell you how many times on night one where you didn't hit your mark or, or whatever, and you're you're, you're feeling like you need to reroute, you know, and make some, make some changes. We actually just did it on our, um, on our pack rafting trip. Uh, the rafting portion, this was actually really cool. Cause we, you know, you plan the route, everything looks good. Um, day one, everything, it rained, it was cold the entire day. Day two rained and cold the entire day. Um, and so by day three, we were behind schedule. We were a little beat up from just being out in the elements. And we had like another eight hours to paddle. Or I hopped on Ride with GPS and I looked at heat maps and I was like, I had our route pulled up and I could easily see where there was a port out for the boats. And we were like, a mile away from our route where we could ride back to our, our cars. And so instead of having like an eight hour float, we wound up having like an hour and a half bike ride back to our van. And that kind of speaks to how cool it is to have a boat and a bike on your, um, you know, with you and you can kind of move between these two surfaces. Um, but also having a tool that allows you in real time to make changes because, you're on a three, four, five day trip. Things are not going to always go right. So having that functionality is just really cool. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head pretty well in that, you know, even if you don't have a route downloaded for offline use and you're in airplane mode, the heat map data is still available to you and they're great for bailouts. So yes. You've heard ton, tons of stories of, ah, I was in the middle of nowhere and I found this trail that cut off miles hours, whatever. And I got out of there and I got out of a sticky situation. Yeah. Now those heat maps, I just can't say enough about them. I could do a whole episode on heat maps, but there, I mean, there's just so many times where they, uh, they come in handy. What else, my friend? Oh boy. (laughs) Um, schedule number two. (laughs) I would love to schedule number two. Hopefully, hopefully the listeners will like to schedule number two. Oh, heck yeah. Um, I mean, I could. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to get them out in the woods with all the information we provided, and then they're going to come up with problems, and they're going to be like, "Hey, y'all didn't talk about this." And we're like, "Hey, okay, well, now we're ready to talk about." Now we can do it. No, and I would. You know, this is you know maybe a great way to segue. You know, towards the end or whatever of. You know, I don't wish that upon anyone, but if that does happen, email us. Give us your suggestions. We, you know. We don't grow and progress as a company unless we're interacting and engaging with our community. And that is best served as suggestions and feedback, at least in our, in our point of view. Um, so, you know, so many things that you see on the web and in the mobile have been either suggested by or reinforced by our community. And lots of that stuff eventually trickles in and makes it into the platform. Yeah. And it's really, yeah, it's just a really good kind of, ecosystem between all of us yeah and i I can tell that we've been you know working on putting this episode together for a couple months now and going back and forth and um you know one thing that i've noticed is that you're always talking about the feedback 
that you've heard and how you're pivoting or you're working on that because the community has told you, you know, X, Y, or Z. So I can kind of attest to that, that, um, yeah, definitely shoot them a line, get in contact. They're easy to get a hold of nice guys and they're all cyclists and looking to make a really good product that, um, you know, it just keeps getting better. It's already a great product, but I mean, you're, you're in the route building business and, you know, got to, got to keep up with technology, I guess. Right. It's not going to stop. I don't think, I don't think technology is going to stop. So it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. Yeah. And I, I think about this sometimes or occasionally, you know, every once in a while I'll be like, what is left? Like, yes, technology will, you know, progress forever and ever and ever. Um, but you know, in terms of, route planning or ride recording you know it's we're tasked with what is the next big thing what is x y and z i'm like oh we've already done so much watching watching the route in vr so uh, you create a route you create a route and then you throw on your vr goggles and you watch the route i that's not something that i'd rather like go and experience it myself but i could see that coming i think well i mean with you know things like Zwift and Ruby and Uh, there are, there are platforms coming. Well, they're already online and they have some like, you know, imagine being on a trainer, but riding, you know, like a street view looking route. Um, That stuff is starting to happen and become more and more. And I'm with you. It's like, well, no, I want to, I want to get, I want to get out there. Yeah. I like, I like to prepare a good route um, because a good route allows you to relax and enjoy the experience more. And there, there's always different ways to approach the outdoors. And I think sometimes it's fun to, to have less planning and maybe a little more heavy on the venture, uh, the adventure side. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but sometimes, like, especially if you're going, like, for me, if I have a limited window and we both have kids and you really want to maximize that opportunity, the most... Uh, the best thing you do is, is is prepare ahead of time, create a good route. Um, and then if something comes up, it comes up, but you know, preparing from home, I think is the, is the way to go. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Cause you can always change plans if you want to. Um, so yeah, I like to have a plan. And if I want to deviate from that plan, then it's, you know, sometimes it's up to me. But again, everybody can do it however they want to do it. That's a great thing about it. And I mean, y'all have tools on your app that I didn't even know about, which I'm not surprised about. I use it all the time. But I remember telling you, I'm like, I know that you're going to blow my mind at least a few times on this podcast. And and you definitely did. I know know there's probably a million more things we could talk about, but we might want to save that for another one, huh? I'd be a-okay with that. (laughs) Well, I guess with that said... uh, Anything we didn't cover in this one that we missed um, and kind of in line with feedback is certainly reach out to me, reach out to Ride With GPS and let us know what we missed. And if we do another one of these, if there's enough demand, uh, maybe we can put together another one, maybe get a little bit more into the weeds and get even deeper and nerdier, nerdier, nerdier. I use that term all the time. Perfect. Well, thanks, Kevin, for uh, coming on, man. I super appreciate it. I think it's going to be really helpful to people out there that are just really looking to create routes and go uh, adventure in the outdoors and have some good tools. Thanks. Yeah, I stoked when we started talking about this. This was this was really good. All right, buddy. Go ride your damn bike. Peace. Peace.
All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you got a lot out of it. And again, we need to give a huge thank you to Kevin and the whole team over there at Ride with GPS for agreeing to put in the work and make this episode available to all you lovely people out there. Again, I want to remind you that this podcast is coming out on Thursday, May 12th. So if you're listening to it after that, then the video and everything is available. If you're an early bird, the journal entry and the video is being published by Ride With GPS today. So be checking your socials or just follow them over at ridewithgps.com forward slash journal, and you'll be able to see it there. Of course, you could also sign up for their newsletter. I know they're going to be blasting it that way. So however you want to get notified, be on the lookout and go check out the video and give us some feedback. Let us know what you thought about this episode, this style of episode. We're trying something new over here at Bikes for Death, and hopefully y'all like it. But uh, let me know. Your feedback is always appreciated. Rywood GPS is doing an excellent job putting this together in an easy format so that you'll be able to reference it whenever you're building a route or whenever you come up on a problem and you're like, oh, they talked about that on the Bikes for Death podcast. You can head over and find exactly where we talked about it and it'll be there available for you whenever you want. Isn't that great? Isn't technology amazing? You know what else is amazing? Riding your bikes. So enough talking for today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to the newest patrons. And again, if you want to step up to be a sustaining member of the show and help Bikes or Death continue to be successful into the future, that is the best way to do it. Find out more over at bikesordeath.com. That's it for me. Don't forget to kiss your mom and go ride your damn bike. Yourself. You left it to polite right dead on the living room. Yeah,